0: So there may be that other folks will join us, which would be lovely. Um, but I'm going to start, and um, I think we're recording this evening as well. And I can see top left, we are wonderful. <clears throat> well, tonight, um, folks, you can call me Parkinson, um, for I will uh, attempt to interview Pastor Christie. Hey. And uh, we, will be, uh, we will be reasonably gentle, because as we were saying before, At some point the roles will be reversed and so um, I'm sure I'll reap what I sow. Um, (laughs) Let me say a couple of things just before we begin. Um, First of all, just recognising that um, an interview or asking questions is a really good way to to get to know someone. It's a a lovely way to to hear a bit of someone's story um, and that can be really useful but it's also I think quite a vulnerable thing to do as well it's a uh, it's sort of like sharing your testimony but you're not necessarily choosing the <laughs> you're not choosing their questions and um, so I do recognize there's a, a vulnerability oh. in, in that and um, as well as a delight so um, Christy if there if I do ask a question and you would prefer not to answer it then uh, then please feel free not to uh, you also know us as a church really well and uh, and so if it's uh taking us down an unhelpful avenue then that's fine and um, as we go through i'll ask some questions i may pause at times just for people to ask follow-up questions if that's useful and um, so i'll uh, i'll pause and and indicate when follow-up questions if if that is something that you'd like to do and um, lovely let me pray um for us and um, for me and for Christy, and uh, and then we'll begin. Father in heaven, thank you so much um, for fellowship, thank you for, for one another, uh, thank you for all the people that make up um, our fellowship here at CFM, thank you for those who are able to join this evening, and we thank you too for those who are um, um, otherwise engaged tonight, Lord, we pray your blessing upon each one of us. Lord, tonight as we um, As we um, ask questions and listen to answers, Father, I pray that um, we would know your presence. Father, I pray that we would um, not only learn things that are interesting tonight, but that we would um, be open to hearing what you might be saying uh, to us, or teaching us, or reminding us, or helping us with. Father, we pray that tonight would have a a significance, as well as 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 just a a lovely time of, of fellowship together. Uh, Lord we uh, we give ourselves we give Christy, and we give this time into your hands mm. in jesus name mm. amen mm-hmm. amen so um as we begin Christy, I wonder do you want to tell us your your biggest sin
1: I'm <laughs> <laughs> just kidding <laughs>
2: obviously <laughs> just kidding um let's say uh, it starts let's it starts with g and it ends with y. <laughs>
0: Let, uh, let's go a different way to begin with. Um, <laughs> Christy, we, we've, uh, we've known you as a pastor at CFM for quite a long time, Bible teacher. What of your, what of your role do you enjoy the most?
2: It really depends on what season um, I, I find either myself in, and probably that's very tie- tied into to the church, So uh, I think I yo-yo sometimes. There are times and seasons where I enjoy um, really teaching and preaching and preparing and delivering messages. There are other times when I enjoy the more um, vision part of it and creating corporate environments for spiritual growth and thinking how can can we do what we do in the best way to, to serve people and to... Have a yeah. overflow effect in our local community, so it tends to vary uh, from season to season and you would know i you know I've talked to you at times and I've said, I just really enjoy at the moment teaching and preaching and prepping for stuff and other times I have said I just enjoy spending time with folks um, or preparing you know vision and talking about the the values and the culture that we, that we have um, I think for me the ultimate um pleasure if you want um is really seeing fruit in people's lives whatever that looks like so and however i can encourage and edify and support people in bringing fruit to their life the the highlight for me uh i, I keep saying this isn't having a huge amount of people come on a Sunday, um, or loads of people messaging me after a, a message and saying that was a wonderful message. For me, the highlight is to overhear from somebody else that the folks in our church are displaying godly character, and particularly they have a phenomenal influence over the non-believers around them. So that that's that's what brings the greatest joy in my life. And the other thing is as well, it's a sense of... When life is tough, seeing our folks be resilient in the face of challenging times, that, again, encourages me uh, a lot. I feel like ministry is worthwhile if people are fruitful and faithful.
0: Yeah, thank you. Just wondering if I can just um, follow up mm. a little bit there. Um, so so in, in 2020, this sort of unusual year that we, we didn't see coming, what, what elements, I know there's been plenty of challenges, but what elements of this year have, have you found, um, I don't know if enjoyable really is the word I'm looking for, but um, significant or helpful?
2: 2020, I think it will take a long time to actually figure out what's been happening. I think we've been blindsided more than we will ever realize. And it has caught us by surprise what's been happening. And I think it will genuinely take some time and very much a backward looking perspective to try to figure out. I think for me, um, some of the things that, that struck me in this time is that um, I have to trust God a lot more about leading the church and looking after the church because I have a lot less um, involvement uh, in that. I think uh, technology has been a phenomenal gift so to be able to just think about it 15 years ago we could have never done something like this and probably we would have not been able to have anything at all so I think technology is a wonderful gift that I'm really grateful for that we have discovered. Um, I also think leaders will make or break the church in a crisis. And for me, it's been incredible to see leaders um, show up and stand up. Um, We could have never sustained what we've done over the last few weeks and months. Um, And it's been beautiful to see that uh, that involvement and folks (coughs) in the church and the contribution that people have brought um, into the services. I think that's been phenomenal. Um, The help when we started in-person services, it's been great. But I think that the biggest thing that struck me, and I think it's a positive, it's a hard thing, but it's a positive thing. I think potentially in his desire to build a resilient church, God is allowing or is redemptively using this challenging experience in order to, and it's a weird thing, it's almost like a paradox, because on one hand, God is wanting to take the crutches of us and sometimes the crutches that are in the normal way of doing church in order to push us further into personal intimacy with him, almost teaching us to stand on our own two feet, spiritually speaking. But at the same time, paradoxically, it's encouraging us to be connected, but not dependent. And the connection is probably more, how can I support other people rather than how can I gain stuff from other people? And I think that will, in long, in, in the long term, create a much healthier church, a church where personally, individually, we don't depend on being spoon fed or having, it's almost like, our relationship, my relationship with God should still continue, whether I can physically go to church and meet with my brothers and sisters. But at the same time, having a longing and a desire in my heart to be with my brothers and sisters, not for selfish gain, but for contribution and encouragement. Mm.
1: Okay,
0: thank you. Um, Yeah, I certainly have really enjoyed just the contributions from um all through the body uh, and the services and prayer meetings that's been a that's been a real delight um christy we we um are familiar seeing you at the front and um, speaking or, or leading um but i wonder if we could just ask you a little bit about um life when when you're not at the front and particularly um Kind of just interested to know: Do you have a, a pattern of of reading the Bible or study, um, devotional readings, or or does that uh, does that play into what you you kind of speak about on the Sundays, or is it the other way around? Are you planning the services, and then kind of basing your readings around around that? So a, a little bit behind the scenes hmm. with your with your plan
2: in there. Hmm. I think that's a little bit of a dangerous question, and I'll tell you why because. For many years, I think I've listened to what other people were doing and trying to copy that or trying to fit in with that. And it's quite dangerous because um, I think it's incredibly important to discover um, your own um, healthy pattern of devotion. Mm-hmm. It's the same like training. You know, I, I could go into a gym. Um, I, I remember when I was in Bible college. And uh, some of the lads, uh, I, by the way, you can tell by looking at me and those of you who've played sports with me, you you know, I'm not a gym rat, but in the, in, probably need to mute some folks. Um, We went to this gym and it was kind of an inner city Birmingham gym, uh, full of some Real big boys, real big boys, and uh, some of our guys uh, quite young, quite uh, quite cocky. Um, so some pe- certainly people, people like Peter and Derek would remember Dan Wormsley, who was yes. uh, a, a very driven guy. Dan went in and he was trying to push some crazy weights, and uh, then we had incidents in the next couple of days where they couldn't even move, never mind get out of bed. Couldn't even move. And I think it's a little bit the same spiritually. I think people can copy, you know, you you read devotions of famous Mm -hmm. people and they used to get up at, um, you know, four o'clock every morning and spend three hours in prayer and three hours in Bible study and uh, try to emulate that. And I think it's very dangerous. So I'm always very guarded to speak about my devotional life. Mm -hmm. However, I I can give some broad strokes. And I think for me, um, scripture is paramount. It's, it's the most significant fuel for my affection for Jesus. Uh, reading the scripture, it uh, awakens me uh, spiritually. It challenges me. It inspires me. It comforts me. It just does everything. So I try to read the whole of the scripture through the year consecutively. Uh, I do that, um, and it's a, a battle. I fight with it like crazy, um, because there are times you get behind, at times your, your your heart gets weary. And I apply a lot of grace, but also a lot of uh, perseverance in that. And what I do as well, I, I tend to read and have a notebook with me. I tend to write some thoughts. I tend to underline. Um, I think I'm probably mild undiagnosed ADD so I find it very difficult to focus and and keep the attention but I find that if I write something down as I'm reading I find it a lot easier to focus and then I link into that praying so whatever I'm reading I tend to turn into prayer and also I have prayer lists for for people that I want to pray for or for causes I want to pray for and that's the more sort of sit down type of devotion Um, and then, if I'm if I'm driving or walking, uh, I often would have uh, earphones on, and I would listen to some inspiring music. I find that very very uplifting. Um, but the important thing that I would say <laughs> for myself and for others: discovery, discover what is it that makes your affection for Jesus grow, and work with that, and discipline. Uh, there is no no progress without discipline. There's, it's the same like the gym. It's the same like running. It's the same like everything. Unless you've got a discipline, it's going to be very, very difficult to sustain and nourish your soul.
0: Really helpful, discovery and discipline. I like that. maybe um, I can ask you um, a third question and then if there are uh, follow-up questions people want to um, ask, we can do that. Um, Christy we um, recognise that you've always had a heart for young people um, you've done quite a lot of youth work and uh, and still very much enjoy that keep in touch with what's going on there Um, I'd be interested to know what your advice might be to young people today and if that is anything different than what you would have said say 10 years ago
2: To be honest with you, I can't remember what I said 10 years ago, so it'd be difficult to to reflect on that. Um, In a way, what I would say to young people is not just what I would say to young people, I would say to anyone. Life is tough. And I really believe that we live in a secular and often hostile society. That's if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a disciple. And I think it's absolutely essential that we recognize that and we don't kid ourselves. I'm a big believer in, uh, in, in, in telling the truth as it is about the, the, the spiritual state of the environment we find ourselves in. Um, it's almost like the Apostle Paul, when he goes into Athens, he looks around and he discovers what's going on. He, his heart breaks, but he's sober minded about the truth of the, the, the fact that it's, it's uh, godless um society that he lives in and i think it's really important that we realize that and we don't kid ourselves but having said that after you recognize that don't be intimidated about it equip yourself constantly and engage with grace and truth in that community so for me the 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 picture is the picture of daniel and his friends I think we find ourselves in exile. And I think we can either kid ourselves and sell out and become like the people around us. And you see attempt of what the, the rulers of um, um, those who brought the, Daniel and his friends into exile were wanting to do with them, just to brainwash them, change their names, change their identity, make them one of them. And they refused to do that. But they didn't go into a sort of monastic lifestyle of withdrawal. They didn't start pointing the finger at the society we're living in. They were playing, they were being involved in that, but they kept their identity. And it's, for me, that's those are the two things. is okay, let's realize what context we're living in, realize we're living in a secular context. And as a follower of Jesus, it is probably gonna be very hostile to what I believe and how I see things. But that doesn't mean I retreat. It doesn't mean I compromise. It doesn't mean I am aggressive and isolationist. It means by the power of God, with the presence of God's word and God's spirit in my life, I engage with the world that I'm in with grace and truth, just like Jesus did. And in order to do that, again, I would say to young people, own your faith, go deep. I would even say to some of them, instead of, being a half-hearted impersonator of your parents' faith or your friends' faith, better bail out and better just count yourself out of the faith. I've, I really struggle with that sense of trying to give people the impression that you know they that they have a relationship with God when they don't, just because they become churchianized. And I think it's more important, and I found in the long term it's more important, and I'm more happy to know some of the young people that have been with us are currently not walking with Jesus, and um, I, I continually pray, but I would I'm rather that they know they're outside rather than be inside and be half-hearted and compromised and have a shallow religion rather than a relationship with Jesus. So I would always say to them, own your faith, go deep, wrestle, but don't impersonate somebody else's relationship with God because that will be fake and it will lead to failure and disappointment and you will disappoint yourself and you will disappoint those around okay. us because they're expecting to see Christians, but they will see just a fake version of what the follower of Jesus should be like.
0: Yeah. Thank you. I think there's um, probably something there for, for us, whatever our age, which is which is great. Um, is there, is, there, is there anyone um have any follow-up questions from from those initial questions that latch in your mind um, if there isn't that's that's okay but if there is, just unmute.
2: i don't know if it's a follow-up question but something i've always wanted to ask Christy is um, have you been affected by communist persecution in romania and if so how has, how has it affected your ministry Uh, Probably the answer is yes and no. Yes in the sense that obviously I was growing up in a communist country and until my um, mid-teens or late teens um, I experienced that. Um, But the part of the country where we were living experienced quite a softer version of communism. If you're trying to imagine China right now, there are parts of China that are quite westernized and where the party is a little bit lax and probably i would say that the part of the country where i was living in um it was very much like that so you know we were allowed to build large church buildings you know seating thousands of people the churches were very large um, but historically uh, particularly particularly the 19 you know from from 1946 to about 1955 there's been a lot of persecution of believers and in other parts of the country that continued but personally uh, I wouldn't say I experienced more than what what sort of normal um Christians would have experienced thank you
0: thank you, thank you Jeff any any other um follow-ups there okay well there will be plenty to uh Another opportunity, anyway. If, if things come up as uh, as we go on, um, Chrissy, um,
2: how long have you been at CFM? I arrived in September 1998. Whatever yeah. that. Yeah. So, so that's 22 years. Yeah.
0: 22 years. So it in 22 years, I'm sure there's been um, highs and lows um, that you've experienced. And um, I don't think it's perhaps right (laughs) for you to share what those highs and lows were. However, what I would be interested in is just um, how you handle the highs without it overtaking you and how you keep going in the lows. Um, So any of those sort of principles Mm. um, that would be useful for us?
2: I'm not naturally... um... Uh, a sort of high person. <laughs> uh so that there's this just not a tons of very, very high highs. Um I'm probably most of the time fairly even. Um and if anything probably more a little bit more bent towards the glasses um half uh, empty type person. So I'm not necessarily tasting the highs and I've grown up in a culture as well where probably not dissimilar to to the culture we find ourselves in where a lot was being um, stressed about pride and about stuff not getting to your head and all that kind of stuff so um, certainly well drilled in that so when people praise you you kind of take it with a pinch of salt and the longer you're in ministry, you realize that the same people that wrote you an email this week praising you about something they could be in three months time leaving the church upset about something else. So, um, and that's just human nature it's part of, part of who we are. So I don't have amazing highs. Uh, there are many joyous moments, but they tend to be. Um, yeah, understated things that I think people wouldn't get. They're, they're so understated. Uh they, they don't seem like the highlights that normally uh, ministry people would have. So very often when pastors talk about success, it's about church growing or planting a new church or having, you know, 50 new people join the church and hundred people become Christians and, you know, healings and uh, seeing the supernatural work. And of course, all those are things that make your heart rejoice. Um, but for me, it's, um, probably smaller things. Um, so um, things like, lo- looking back in time, the things probably I would see as incredible highs are a lot of them connected to, to, to the young people. Uh, and some of those young people are now uh, people in their 30s. But um, just seeing them grow, seeing them serve, seeing them make good choices and get it and sacrificial choices sometimes. For God, um, that's incredibly powerful. Um, um, probably seeing them serve as well—that's that's a that's a great joy. Um, remember, with uh, Pete and Derek setting up uh, C.F.M. United and in the old yeah. days, and having having a group of people that you know normally they would have never fit into any Sunday. Um, you know, Sunday league team. Um, They they were not great footballers. And just, you know, we'd get trashed every week. And yet there was an incredible atmosphere of uh, encouragement there. And uh, just a bond that was realized there. That's, you know, that's that's very powerful. Those are some of the highs, I think. Lows, how do you cope with the lows? Well, there's two ways you can cope. I can cope with the lows. One of them is a toxic one. One of them is a healthy one. The toxic one is very male. Um, you distract yourself and you pretend they're not there, um, and you just think they're going to go away if you don't uh, acknowledge them. And sometimes, you know, for self-protection, that might be right for for a momentary bit or for a short short time, but not long-term. I try to just pour out my heart to God um, in prayer, not always vocalized prayer, but just uh, walking and, and, and praying in my spirit. I have a handful of friends that I'm very quick to ask for support. Um, and then the other thing that I find very healthy for me is I intentionally serve others because I feel like it breaks an unhelpful perspective. Satan has a way of distorting reality. Um, And if he catches you in the wrong season and in the wrong mindset, he so distorts the reality and makes everything look a lot worse than it is. And I found myself that very often when I spend time with people um, and I serve people and I'm taking my eyes off myself, somehow the perspective gets clearer and the fog lifts. So, yeah, prayer, friends, and serving.
0: Yeah, thank you, Christy. It's um, it's interesting that it, how how you talk about that. Just as a as a as a follow up, um, do you find it helpful talking to other church leaders, or can that be um, can that be just a different set of challenges?
2: It's, it's probably a a funny thing and it's probably true in every workplace. It really depends on the person. Um, Ministers, very often their greatest strength is the very sensitive, it's like artists, it's like musicians, they're very sensitive. And the sensitivity is a huge asset in ministry and it's really helpful, but it can also become very problematic. And also ministers are constantly under pressure. Um, in a way, it's like somebody working on sale, in sales. You know, if, if your church is bombing, if your numbers are going down, if people are leaving your church and joining another church, or if another church is doing something snazzy that you're not doing, or you hear people saying, oh, that message was wonderful, and that pastor was great, and all that kind of stuff. Um, it, it can be really interesting. So... It really depends on the relationship that you develop with certain colleagues. So it would be untrue to say that I definitely um, have good two-way conversations with all of my colleagues, but I would say that the majority of my colleagues are like that, we we do talk. And I think the key, again, is just developing a relationship that's not just based on I'm gonna ring you when I need you, (laughs) but you just, talk every week through thick and thin and you begin to get to know each other and you know your quirks you know your fears you know your qualities so certainly i have um two or three colleagues who would know those things and i know theirs and we can have that conversation and we can support one another and um yeah just just be there
0: great thank you and that leads me on to um to the next question, just about um, influences. Um, so, who, who would you say your your biggest influences are? That maybe people who you spent time with, or or people whose books you've read, or whose example you would like to follow. Um, who would you be, your influences be?
2: Again, it's a very charged question like the one with the devotion, because as soon as you start mentioning some influences and you mention a name, uh, it's a dangerous place because people now go on Google or listen and either they start uh, going into that. It's particularly the danger with younger people. You know, suddenly they think, oh, Pastor Chris is into so-and-so. Well, (coughs) I I need to be into so-and-so. And... Or, you know, other adults will check it out. And if so-and-so says one thing that they don't like, then they go, oh, Pastor Chris is a heretic because he's listening to so-and-so. Who's... So um, out of principle, I don't really like joining fan clubs. I genuinely don't. Um, and it's not because I'm being awkward. I just don't like joining fan clubs. I think it's dangerous because you develop an unhealthy... Um, following to somebody and if you're not careful you begin i've known friends who begin to sound like other people that they listen to a lot and it it can be a little bit dangerous so i don't really have you know um one person or a group of people leaders teachers um but on the other hand i allow various voices to influence me and that's people that are um living example, so uh, people like yourself and Marcus, who are very close friends, I count as very close friends who I can talk about stuff and who I find incredibly uh, inspiring to be around. Um, there are people that are historical. Um, so for example, there's a guy um, that was imprisoned for 17 years in the Romanian prisons. He was a party leader that when the communists came to power, they basically outlawed all the democratic parties in the country. And he was sent to prison for 17 years. And after the fall of communism, he became one of the key leaders in the sort of new opposition. And he's just an incredible example. For 17 years, he endured, and actually 11 of those years, he was in solitary confinement. And he endured all that because he didn't want to betray his Um, But basically, the communists were trying to make him lie about his friends and colleagues. And the guy just endured, just showing incredible character. And when he came out, he was the most gentle, forgiving. And he was very engaged in the politics, but no resemblance of hate. So the guy is just an amazing inspiration to me. Uh, I love Moses from scripture. I identify with a lot of the struggles that he went through and the personality and the challenges and the shaping that God did in his life. Um, and there's a lot of pastors I listen to without being in a fan club, but I listen to. And there are different bits of their life, ministry, and teaching that I find very helpful. So, probably very much like that.
0: Okay, enjoy it. Just define for us what you mean by fan club.
2: It's just when somebody says, you know, when, you know, everything that comes out of their mouth is, and again, I don't want to say a name because once I say a name, it's, you know, but, you know, uh, like it was in in, in in the Corinthian church, you know, I'm with Apollos, I'm with Cephas, I'm with Paul. It's the same in our day, you know, uh, I'm with Brian Houston, I'm with... Sure, yeah. uh, you know, Mr. Johnson. I am with John Piper. I'm with Tim Keller. You know, and all that kind of stuff. And and people have a thousand and one voices that they can have access to via podcasts or YouTube and teaching. Um, so, yeah, okay.
0: great. Thank you. Um, okay, after after the next question, if anyone has um, follow up ones, you can. We'll have a, a moment to ask those. Um. A little bit more personal, perhaps this time. Um, so this is um, this last year. Um, you know, we've had the ups and downs, the challenges as well. Is there anything that you kind of feel that, that you have learned, um, or anything that you feel particularly that the Lord has has shown you this year um, that that would be um, perhaps different than what you might have expected, or? perhaps what you did expect, but anything that you feel like this year and the challenges that you feel God has has been showing you or reminding you of?
2: I think most of it has been okay. Um, I have, I have learned to practice gratitude daily and throughout the day and all the time and just to constantly adjust my perspective on what God is doing and his faithfulness. Um, I think that's been a, a, a great discovery afresh, just how important gratitude is in navigating in these waters at the moment. Um, I've, I've learned that uh, self-care is not selfish. It's incredibly important to look after ourselves and to um, guard ourselves and be very careful that we don't uh, sink. Um, and I've, I've tried to be attentive to that and, and make sure that my my time is spent right and wisely. And even emotionally, when things are challenging, just, just to know how to process that. Um, I found um, probably the most challenging thing for me in this time has been uh, pastoral care. Um, I just found that not having Sundays when I'm able to see people, exchange a few words, pick up uh, visually from the body language, you know, how things are with folks, just little exchanges, uh, I've been desperately missing that. And the same, not being able to meet with people one-to-one. Um, speaking on the phone for me is is one of the worst things you can make me do. Um, you know how sometimes we have to um, ring an agency about something or to speak to somebody official on the phone, honestly. It's, it's one of the worst things you can make me do. I, I hate it. I really hate it because um, I, I sometimes I'm paranoid about people not understanding me or sometimes I'm not understanding what they're trying to say. And you feel it's, it's just really difficult. Um, and the inability to have in person, you know, one-to-one pastoral visits, meeting with people, even having a coffee with people um, or picking up on Sunday and just chatting, and that's, that's been a huge, um, a huge mess. And um, when you don't know how people are doing and you don't know what people are thinking in your, in, in, in your worst days, you're thinking, I'm letting people down so badly mm-hmm. in your better days. You're thinking um, oh. folks would know and understand. Um, and probably the truth is somewhere in, in between, uh, but that's been very, very tough. And I realized that just as, as it is incredibly hard for me to speak on the phone to people, for a lot of people, Zoom is very hard. But I keep thinking there's nothing else I can do to try to gather us and make each other see. So I think at times when Zoom meetings have been reduced in numbers and you know that people are have the capacity and, you know, it's available and they've got a time and they're not there. Your heart just sinks and you're thinking, oh, I just wish they'd be here so I can see them and I can love them and we can love them together. So it's 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 just that uh, that thing. So that's that's been challenging. But on the other hand, people have made incredible um, efforts to get over their lack of technological ability to, to calm and you know, the prayer meetings are better attended, you know, more people are able to come because they they don't have to travel and they can just be able to tune in into Zoom. So it's been, yeah, it's been, it's been a topsy-turvy kind of journey, but I think that the good stuff far exceeds the the challenging stuff.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Um, Okay. Um, Was uh, anyone had any kind of follow-up questions, things that, you wish I'd been more specific with or yeah else.
1: yeah yeah I've just got I've got a couple of questions the first one it's quite simple you mentioned about self-care and um, I just wondered what sort of things you do apart from uh, talking to friends I mean um, I know you like walking and you know your coffee and all that kind of thing what what kind of things sustain you
2: hmm. I'm very low maintenance so it it doesn't take a lot to keep me sort of energized or to restore me um <laughs> um i have a i have some guilty pleasures um there is a an american uh d v d series that's just there uh, um which is incredibly boring probably for most people because it's just politics and it feels like a degree in political science. Um, and I've been watching many times but I could watch 20-25 minutes of that and I just love it it's a very well written script it's brilliant I love podcasts um, and I've started listening to a lot more audio books in that time Um, again I'm finding myself and I think it's probably either age or just mental fogginess physical reading of books is just becoming uh, Mm. at times harder when you're staring at the screen all day so I think I'm taking in a lot less um, audibly, but it's it's still good. It's still good. So, things like that. Um, and listening to Talk Sport, which is absolute rubbish stuff. Uh, and watching uh, Great British Bake Off, uh, stuff like that. <laughs> cookery <laughs> programs, just super relaxing, really brilliant. Have a laugh, nothing serious. So, yeah. relax cookery yeah. programs.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh,
0: did you say you had a second question as well? Yeah,
1: this was a bit more personal, really. But um, you've been here since 1992, is that right? Um Three. 1993, Three. yeah. Mm. Um, and I just wondered, um, you know, I mean, in sermons and things you often say things like you know we as british people and it always gives me a little smile you know because i think that's really sweet but i'm also aware that you are romanian and i just wondered how important your uh, romanian identity is to you still and if you ever feel um disadvantaged or like made to feel other because you're romanian
2: It's 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 a really difficult question because I think um having lived more than half of my life over here, so uh and, and a very formative part of my life over there um gives me a very interesting perspective on national identity and it's 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 very difficult because obviously I'm coming from a personal point of view, but I, I I really wonder how much truth there is in, in this sort of national identity I- issue. Um I feel there are a lot of similarities between Brits and Romanians, a lot, a lot of similarities that are very odd in in a in a in a funny way. Um but I I am not a nationalist. Um I could live genuinely anywhere God is calling me to and I think if God is calling you to a place and you love the people you get to love the people that there are people are people wherever they are Uh, and every nation would have its qualities and its weaknesses and if you choose to you know immerse yourself in a culture and love that culture and love the people. It's all about the people. It's nothing to do with identities. And, you know, we do things like this and you do things like that. That almost doesn't matter when you're talking about people. Um, So, yeah, I I feel I, I still, obviously, I watch the news every day repeatedly. I'm, you know, totally up to date with what is happening socially, politically. Um, uh, uh, very clued on what's going on over there and passionate about things over there just as I'm passionate about things over here but I think if you cut me, I'm probably bleeding the same thing. I'm wanting to see the same thing in both places um, and it's the same desires and it even is the same fundamental problems and flaws that are there so I think there's a lot more that's uh, that's similar than me. It is different. Um, so, I don't know if that answers your question. It's, it's yeah. funny yeah, to answer, so. really.
1: Mm.
2: Great
0: questions. they oh, really Okay.
1: Um,
0: uh, anyone else? i have got two screens, so forgive me if I'm missing anyone. Okay. Well, we'll have a couple more questions and then um throw it open again and, and then we're and then we're through just so we can kind of track where we're at. Interestingly, the, the next question was on, on, on very similar lines to to the one Judith just asked. And it was <laughs> um just kind of uh, Christy I'm for having here. a he's <laughs> gone. <laughs> I'm
2: still I'm still here. The success. <laughs> that <laughs> I've just given dad his meds. So,
0: Chris, having a having kind of a, a fairly knowledgeable understanding of church in two cultures, do you find that helpful, or do you find that doubly draining?
2: No, it's it's helpful. I'll tell you why. Because uh, spiritual problems are universal, so with very little nuance differences. Um, Talking to pastor friends in Romania and sometimes in the States, the basic underlying opportunities and challenges are the same. Um, So it makes you realize that actually (laughs) what sometimes we think um, is only our problem, it's not just our problem, it's it's, it's a universal problem for, for the church. Also, where it's really helpful, um, sometimes I think people can have certain cultural issues that are false excuses. Um, And I think because when you're coming from another culture, you can see some of those and you can say actually, no, that's not a cultural problem. It's a spiritual problem. So, I'll give you an example. And it's, it's, it's probably a a tricky example, but I'll say it anyway. I've been banging this drum over the last few weeks. Those who are close to me would have heard me talk about this a little bit. Um, in the Romanian church, uh, evangelical church, there's a lot more prayer and a lot more prayer in the public services. And I remember in the early times when I came to the UK and I kind of asked questions, I said to people, why, why don't you guys pray? As a congregation in the services and people would say well our people are shy you know we're British we're reserved people are not happy to 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 to, to pray they're, they're too embarrassed they are you know and the, the, the truth is I I can tell you you can you know you can go out on a Friday night on a normal non-COVID Friday night out in a city in Manchester and go out on a Friday night in Romania in a city and I'm telling you Party life is a lot wilder in Manchester than it would be in Romania. Same with a football game, same with the loads and loads and loads of things um, and issues. So I sometimes think some of those things can be so ingrained in our mentality, you know, that people would say, well, that's not how we do things, that we're Brits. I also remember uh, a friend of mine talking about this with regards to giving. You know, where people say, well, we're Brits, you know, we don't talk about money in church, you know, because it's a little bit awkward, but it it can be a little bit of a false problem. So when you're coming from another cultural um, environment and you're coming with an issue that's biblical, not cultural, and you're saying, "But actually, this is what the scripture teaches, that sense of false excuse can be dismantled where people say, oh, actually, yeah, you're right. That's what the scripture teaches you know, the believers pray together. It's not whether we're Brits or Romanians or Italians or Chinese or Koreans, you know, it's what's the scripture saying. So when you come from outside and you see it, and I guess the same same is true for missionaries who sometimes would go abroad and come back in and suddenly they say, well, why do we do this? Or why do we think we can't do this? And and sometimes as well, your context can (laughs) be a blind spot. So, again, uh, another challenging blind spot. In in the Western church, very often people have not seen regular numbers of people coming to Christ. So, therefore, there's a stronghold in our minds that thinks, yeah, we preach the gospel, Mm -hmm. but nobody's going to respond. Yeah, we go out on a Saturday afternoon and we preach the gospel, but are we really expectant and can we really see it happening So I think sometimes we can have those blind spots and strongholds in our minds that are cultural because we haven't seen it. And it's not to do with being British. It's just the context, you know, that the church, let's be fair, the church in Britain, you know, at large has not seen massive swells of regular believers coming to Christ every week or every, you know, every month. So therefore, if we're not careful, we allow the context that we're in to become a blind spot instead of what the scripture is saying and it's teaching us. And this can be an advantage when you're coming from an outside culture and you've seen it differently. And it's not a cultural thing. It's a spiritual thing. It's a biblical thing.
0: Thank you. Um, The penultimate question, um, and what I'm throwing in Christy is, um, Christy, is is your um, kind of pastor in uh, us as a church, do you have a sense that somebody or you have people who are sort of pastoring you or people who are um, actively seeking, looking out for you?
2: Yeah, I I, I do. Um, it, it's probably not formal. Sometimes I get asked the question, do you have a mentor? And I've said to, to people, not really. I probably have. A good numbers of living mentors and uh, mentors who've long gone to be with the Lord Mm -hmm. um, whose words and writings are incredibly inspiring and very helpful in my journey of faith. Um, But certainly um, again, there's probably three or four people who are constantly looking after me and pastoring me. And by that, I mean they uh, again, We can chit chat through life and we know each other. I think that's an incredibly important thing um, is to get through to to a very deep level with friends that are very deep. You need to be able to have that chit chat um, type of relationship where you can talk about a football score and tweet, you you know, WhatsApp each other about silly stuff and send each other silly memes and things like that. But then also to cry out saying, you're feeling really down at, you know, quarter past 12 in, you know, at midnight, you know, and I need, I need your prayer uh, or I'm really worried about this. Uh, And also people are able to say to you, you know, um, get your head out of your backside and stop feeling sorry for yourself and get some perspective and stop being a, you know, selfish person or stop being an idiot without issue or stop being stubborn or Stop being narrow-minded, or stop being, you know, undisciplined on <laughs> all those kind of things. Of course, none of those would be things that anybody would ever say to me. So, um, yeah, but I do, I do. But they're not, not a lot. There's not a huge number. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, and then finally, from from me, before one last chance for follow-up questions, um, looking forward. Um. What would you kind of like to see happen at CFM over there, the coming um, months and years to dream?
2: I, I dream a lot. I, I pray a lot um, about the present and the future. I'm incredibly passionate to know that we, we are right where we need to be in, in God's plan. I think for me, is, and, and this season is particularly highlighting this to me, I want us to be able to develop true disciples of Jesus who are able to endure hardship and be self-sustainable. If my reading of history is um, not based on um anything prophetic or even trying to um add a theological slant to it but just looking around and seeing what's happening i think endurance and self-sustainability for the disciples of jesus is going to be crucial um for for going forward mm-hmm. i i'd like to see in the church this indestructible network that is intentional and practical in terms of one anothering basically people looking after each other with a with an incredible resolve to not letting go of one another and the two probably are connected that that endurance that we need to have individually but also that sense of this indestructible network whether formal or informal of people who are looking after each other. I, I would love to see people be very creative individually and see missional individual missional initiatives, whether it's with friends, whether it's with neighbors, whether it's workplace. I just want to see people filled with a sense of vision about that. And I want, I'd love to see every one of us have a, have a glimpse of why God has put us where he has put us. And there's a point to it. And we're making a difference. I'd love to see the building that's coming up to be a massive hope of hope and healing and wholeness for families. Increasingly, I have this sense. And even this week, as I was prayer walking, I had this sense. This is going to be a place of hope and healing and wholeness for families, for broken families, whatever that means, whatever that looks like. And then probably last but not least, and this is going to sound probably a little bit alarming, but it's not meant to be. I I just want to see leaders and pastors um, that I'll be able to release and develop, They can build on and develop the church when I might not be here. I read this line a couple of years ago where uh, one of the best um, church consultants in terms of recruitment uh, used this line. He said, every pastor is a pastor in transition. And that's the truth. We're all holding a baton that we're holding it in order to hand it over to other people that are gonna come. And my heart is that there will be that sense in which I'm intentionally investing constantly into the hands of those who will come and build after me, just as I had the incredible privilege of receiving a baton and build on the shoulders of others.
0: Right. Thank you very much. Any, uh, any follow-up questions to, to those things? Okay. Lovely. Well, forgive me if I've, if I've missed you, I've, I've, I've tried to swipe across. Okay. Lovely. Let me, uh, let me pray as, uh, as we close. Um, i'm always very aware that whenever somebody shares um personally like i said there's um there's a certain amount of courage in that and um and we appreciate um krista sharing um, particularly about the your your cfm um element of your life we we didn't touch on much before before that but um but it's been lovely to hear and lovely to ponder on so let's uh, let's pray and, uh, and then we'll, we'll close. Yeah. Heavenly Father, we, we're very grateful and thankful that you um, give to each one of us different temperament, gifting and personality. Um, Lord, that we've each uh, grown up in a in a particular way, in a particular country and context and family. And Father, we're thankful for the people you've placed in our lives. Lord, we're thankful for the story you've given us, and that you know each chapter, each season, and you know all that's going on right now. Father, we thank you for Christy. We thank you, Father, for the work you've done in his life. Thank you for your grace and, and mercy. Thank you for his salvation. Thank you for his um, um, learning and, and growing in you. Thank you for his uh, teaching and leadership for us. And Father, we can Pray that he would again be be filled afresh with your spirit, but I pray he would know um, your voice in, in lovely and clear ways. Father, I pray he would know fellowship with you and, and intimacy. Father, I pray that he would um, he would know your delight. I pray, Father, that he would um, know peace in his sleep. I pray that he'd know um, yeah, he would just know you in, in the most um, lovely of ways. Father, we pray for wisdom. We pray for discernment. Uh, we pray, um, Father, for um, eyes to see what you're doing. And Father, we uh, we lift our, our pastor before you, thanking you so much for him and praying your blessing upon he and his family and, uh, and asking, Lord, for more grace and more mercy, more wisdom, more hope and more delight. Father, we pray that as we together, as your people, Lord, whatever our, our role or gifting or our purpose uh, in, 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 in the church is, Lord, we pray that we would be increasingly um, um, cohesive. And, Lord, we pray that we would be found doing what you want us to at this time in this place, for your glory, for your honour. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Yeah. Thank you very much, everyone. Um, Thank you. Christy, is there anything that needs to be said at the, uh, as we close?
2: Nothing from me.
0: <laughs> reminder then about Tuesday as we continue through Exodus 7.30 on this Zoom. And uh, I hope you have a lovely Sunday evening, whatever's left of it.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Thanks Thank you. So much. Thank you. Thank you.